The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi, I'm Amber. <laughs> and I'm Jesse, And this is Glowing in Tech. Powered by Coding Black Females. If you're on YouTube, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And if you're on Spotify or Apple... Be sure to click on the notification button so you don't ever miss out on an episode. And also, please leave us a review. If you enjoy what you listen to, then we would love to hear any thoughts and opinions. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we're joined by the iconic, the marvellous Tara Ojo, who's a software engineer at Google. Tara, would you be able to give us a little bit of an intro into you and, and how you, yeah, who you are and how you got there? Yeah, um, I guess I can talk a little bit about my path, but um, I'm a software engineer at Google. I've been here for a little over one year. And prior to that, I've worked in a few different types of industries. So retail, um, education, telecommunications. I started learning to code about 10 years ago at university. And since then, I had done internships, graduate schemes, and yeah, just been growing in my software engineering path. That's amazing. Working at Google is like one of the top tier aspirations for a lot of engineers, right? Yeah. Like I remember when I was first learning how to code, all I was hearing was fang companies, how to get a job at fang companies. (laughs) And it's just like the biggest buzzword like out there. I didn't Mm. realize like for economics, it's at least like the big four. Mm. But it's Mm -hmm. like for tech, it's Fang, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah. I'm sorry, no, sorry, no. I was just going to say it was definitely my dream job and <laughs> getting here was a big achievement for yeah. me. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. And congrats on the year anniversary as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned that you um, started to learn to code 10 years ago. Mm. Was your degree related to that at all? Yeah. Yeah. So I learned through my degree. I am very impressed by anybody that can like self-teach <laughs> because I don't know if I could have had the, I guess, the just determination I think it takes to do that outside of just living your normal life Mm -hmm. but yeah I learned as a student um but a lot of the stuff that I learned wasn't too relevant to -to day-to-day it was more just like the fundamentals of computer science whereas day-to-day you need to know how to work in a team you need to know how to like be writing code with other people which you don't get as much of so I learned so much more just on the job yeah there's a big focus like um when on the technical skills mm-hmm. like oh like how do I actually pass that technical interview mm. but not really how do I thrive in my actual role because it's a yeah. lot more than just you know data structures and algorithms yeah, exactly. it's more of just like how do I collaborate in a cross-functional team and how do I communicate my ideas to other people mm. and like even things like reaching out like you know when you're stuck mm-hmm. and it's yeah. like you need to reach out and how do I explain what I need help mm. with sometimes you need a rubber ducky <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you don't know to say oh like I need a rubber duck right now like sometimes I'll be tied for my problem and I'm like wait but how do I even communicate what exactly I'm struggling with yeah you know 100%. and how much detail do I go into that in terms of typing that out on slack yeah and communication is a massive aspect because even like as you become more senior you're needing to explain really complicated concepts to juniors and yeah. help onboard them and help them get up to speed mm. so so is that something that 
you feel that you learned later on when you're yeah. getting experience, a practical experience? Like how how do you, um, yeah, how do you grasp those skills? Yeah, That is such a good question. I feel like coding skills, you can just do a course and it'll teach you the steps in doing it. Whereas communication, it's so much harder. I'm sure there are good courses on communication out there, but until you actually do it and you practice doing it, then you don't get better at it. Maybe the same for coding as well. But for me, it was a lot of forcing myself to do things that I just did not feel comfortable doing. So I remember I used to get so stressed just being in stand-up and like everyone was going round. This is you. And I would be this sweating, <laughs> thinking, I need to what am I going to say? I'd have like post-it notes with, <laughs> with what I needed to say. I didn't hear what anybody else was saying, just stressing about what I needed to say and making sure it would come out in the right way. Um, so getting to a point where didn't feel as stressed just going to a 10 minute stand-up meeting every morning um doing talks was a way to get me out of my comfort mm. zone and get me better at communicating so practicing that with colleagues and give, getting them to give me feedback those kind of things that forced me to do it so I could get better at it was mm. my approach so what made you nervous about speaking up in stand-up what exactly was the thing that made you like sweat oh I think it's just having all of that attention all of the eyes on you I'm not the most outgoing of, of people or like extroverted even so just like simple communication things like that mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. more difficult for me when I started yeah that makes sense mm-hmm. and so a lot of people may feel quite nervous about doing talks as a junior mm-hmm. so were you do, did you say did you do talks as a junior because you're saying that this helped with your confidence in yeah. terms of stand-ups yeah and also it just helped me solidify my understanding of technical topics mm. like the thing in stand-ups as well it's like do I even know what I'm talking about here mm-hmm. <laughs> am I saying mm-hmm. the correct thing do I look technical or just like I'm faking it and when I was doing talks it's kind of like teaching when you teach you understand it better and 100%. that's yeah why I started I think also support from my manager really helped it's like people really want to hear from the junior perspective and we don't really have that right now so that was like encouragement for that's me so sweet and also so important yeah. because you need to hear that reassurance that mm. you deserve to be there that you belong to being there and that your perspective is valuable yeah. so I'm really glad you had that support oh, sure. and when you mentioned having those talks and using those as a way to get yourself um really knowledgeable about a topic and, and immersing yourself in a technical topic how were you finding the places to do those talks? Were they internal? Were you seeking spaces that were specific about technology? What, where were those talks happening? Um, so for me, I, I think I just happened to work with a lot of people that were already doing conference talks and mm. going to meetups. And I had started to do that earlier in my career that I would go to tech meetups and see all these people giving talks. And they were always, always desperate for speakers. So it was just like signing up to meetups some internal but not too many more of them were external conferences um and those kind of events that's really Mm. cool yeah that makes sense like so how did you navigate your first role as a junior what kind of things did you struggle with or what kind of things do you feel like you did well and what advice would you give to people Mm. who are in their role right now as a junior good question oh i struggled with so much uh the like the tech, just understanding the tech frameworks. Um, I started in front-end development and all of the different things that come as a front-end developer. So not just the frameworks, but I don't know how like your 
your files get bundled together, understanding Webpack or understanding all of the different types of frameworks and why some are better than others, understanding Git and like uh, agile practices. Yeah. It's just like when you first get into that tech role, there's it's just an overwhelming influx of information. And that is what I struggled with. But um, I think it was just important to not stress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For me, I put so much pressure on myself. Like I have to be good, I have to get this, I have to get it quick. Um, but actually taking the time to understand some fundamentals, I think was really helpful. And um, not being scared to ask questions of those more senior is is something that I still need to be good at. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it ever stops, but that really helped when I started out. That's amazing. That's mm. amazing. I've got one more question about kind of your journey. Um, what was it that excited you enough to pursue a computer science degree? Because it can be an intimidating space to put yourself into, especially like knowing the demographics of people that gravitate towards it. Mm. How did you decide so early on? Because I didn't even know it was a possibility. How did you know before when you were selecting your degree that this is what you wanted to do? Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) I just didn't know. I had always been interested in tech and my dad's a bit of a tech nerd and he's always been into hardware. So I thought, oh, this sounds cool. Somebody said the salary's good. So that's that's always good. Um, in my IT classes, I think when I was doing GCSE, there in the class of 30, there were about three girls, but I didn't realize that that was just life in tech. Mm, yeah. So when I went for it, I just thought this is a subject that I'm interested in. And it wasn't until I got to the workplace that I realized actually this, this is not a diverse environment at all. Mm-hmm. But because I enjoyed the work part, it made me like stick out the actual role and try and just get my hands involved in projects to improve the diversity of the tech yeah, yeah, industry. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm. And what are the things that excite you now about tech? Like, what do you really enjoy about being a software engineer? I I really like the the always learning aspect. Yeah. I know it's not a thing that everyone <laughs> enjoys because like you never stop. You literally never stop. Um, but I like that the that there's always something new to learn. There's always something like new innovations in technology. At the moment when where I am in my role, I'm doing work that's completely different to the front-end development I was doing in all of my previous roles. So I'm just like learning from scratch and understanding more about back-end development, API development, and it's just really cool. Mm. And where I am in health, it's like growing tech in the health space too. I think there's there's so much opportunity. That's great. Like, do you have any advice in terms of, so... You know, when you're a junior and you want to get to mid-level and then mm. mid-level to senior. Mm. And because you've done that very well with, within the span of your career. <laughs> I've tried. Um, I would say it's it's not always like a straight line like that. Um, I did. I I don't know if I've had an official junior developer or maybe you could say a grad. A yeah, the grad scheme, is, yeah. yeah. And the only time I had a a specific senior role was when I was at the Financial Times. But here at at Google, I'm not classed as a senior. So it's kind of like you you go up and down a mm, little bit. A squiggly career. Yeah, mm. exactly. And different companies expect different things yeah. of you. Um, but I think the one thing that stands out across all of those companies as growth in your career is like your leadership ability and ability to show impact of the work that you're doing, whether it's directly through other individuals and helping them get their work done better or just 
making changes that affect a lot of people and improve the lives of a lot of people. That's such an important point because you're you're right. It's like after a certain level of, I guess, the, the junior part, mm. it stops being about technical ability exactly. and, and being able to measure how much code you're producing and how quickly you're able to do things. It's about, like you said, impact and leadership. Mm. So what have been some of the ways that you've been able to improve that or work on that and, and grow that influence that you're having within your team and organization? I think when I started, I remember my grad scheme, I started, um, it was, it was like, uh, it was a chance for all the graduates to get together and just talk about what we were working on. And it was just a really nice space because it was very chill. We were all new, but had the impact of us all getting a better understanding of what different departments in the tech department were doing. And so when senior leaders heard about that, that I guess reflected well for me. Um, just because I set it up mm. and I kind of continued to do just small, what seemed like small projects like that, but ended up having an impact on other software engineers, um, whether it's mentoring, where new starters that join the company or um, other things like helping, like other things like that, like teaching, mm. doing lightning talks, helping other people grow in a way that like helped the company or the tech team yeah. mm-hmm. perform better. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah. perfect sense. Amber, I think you wanted to ask some questions or we were both really interested about hearing the um, interview process for Google. Yeah, yeah. I do want to know. Yeah, I definitely do want to know like, because the fine. <laughs> <laughs> but also like before you even get to that, I want to know. So... Now we're moving on from, you know, it being a norm to stay at a company for eight years, mm. like 10 years. Like what I liked, what interested me about the tech industry is the fact that it was quite like normal for people to leave after two years. Mm. But I almost like before we go into Google, how do you know when is a good time to leave your role mm. and to pursue another opportunity? Yeah. And then we'll get into like <laughs> the tea. <laughs> how to get a job at Google. <laughs> Because that's what I need to know first. Yeah, when do I need to leave? <laughs> I feel like it's definitely dependent on you as an individual. But the the main thing that I was always keeping my eye out for is, am I still growing in the role that I'm doing? Like, am I still learning on a day-to-day basis? If not, you're probably getting a bit stagnant. It's probably time to do new opportunities. It doesn't have to be in another company. It could just be in another team. Um, are there better opportunities out there for you uh, whatever that means whether it's growth in the work that you're doing whether it's like a way bigger salary I think that can be an important aspect to you um, and I think those three are the main things I've looked at so when I went from uh, Marks and Spencer to FutureLearn I feel like I'd learned so much about the beginnings of just being a software and developer mm-hmm. uh, and I remember getting feedback that, you know, it's probably a good time to take that knowledge and apply it to another company uh, from somebody who I reached out to to talk to talk to because they were doing talks and I thought it was really cool. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, just go for it. And I did. I went to FutureLearn and the slowdown of growth that I was having when I was at M&S just picked right back up in a new company. And I just felt so much happier about it. Um, but when I left FutureLearn, it was because I just had like a really good opportunity to join mm. the Financial Times as a senior software engineer. And it was like a huge jump for my career. So it's not always, 
I know for some people, you're in like toxic environments and things are yeah. not good. And those are always a good indicator to leave. But sometimes it's just about your personal growth and what you want to do next, I think. Okay, amazing. And then to go from a senior engineer at the Financial Times to now, how are we getting to Google? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was that transition like? So yeah. um, did, did a recruiter reach out to you? Did you apply for a job on their website? How did it all start? Mm. What was interesting is I had put in my mind after being at the Financial Times for a few months that the next job opportunity I take is going to be a big tech company. I wanted it to be Google, I but I that. thought, it's, this is, I, just, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get in here, but I'm just going to start preparing. I'll start doing some like coding tests, see what the interview process is like. And then a couple of months later, I went to um, a BYP network event. Yeah. And Google had a booth. It was virtual. Google had a booth, clicked in, didn't say anything, clicked out. And then <laughs> I think a month after that, they reached out to me. They were like, we saw that you came to our booth. Would you want to apply? And so I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I actually really, really want to apply. And then he, the recruiter, talked me through the, the process, which was, I think, about four, three stages, three stages overall but broken up into lots of different interviews. And I I prepared like I've never prepared for anything <laughs> before. It was like being back at uni. So I just crammed so much information in a sh- such a short space of time, um, just trying to learn like the fundamentals of uh, what they wanted to hear in the interview, practice loads of different data structure and algorithm tests um, just to get myself prepared prepared for that. How long were you studying for? Uh, they ask when you would like to do the interview. They were like, usually people give it two weeks. I said three, just to stretch it out. I feel like I, wow. I wish I did longer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I did. The first week was just theory. So learning about time and space complexity, what even data structures look like. I was doing my uh, tests in JavaScript and not many of the coding resources were in javascript yeah. but i found java yeah, normally it's always java um but i found some good ones that were in javascript which really helped me like just understand what was going on and then my second week was just doing loads and loads and loads of practice and then my final third week was there were lots of online tools where you can just practice with another person and what's really important in the interview is being able to communicate what it is that you're trying to do how you solve the problem, yeah. even if you're not necessarily solving it, but how you would go about it. And people want to see what your thought process looks like. What resource were you using to do that? Um, I was using a front-end master's. They have these learning paths. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the computer science one. Okay. Yeah. And that was the, that, those are the resources that you managed to find in JavaScript? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I guess because it's front-end specific, yeah. all of their stuff was in JavaScript, which was really helpful. Mm-hmm. So you learned how to how to do the data structure and algorithms interview in three weeks? I mean, I had done a little bit of prep beforehand, <laughs> but I, yeah, I crammed it in that, <laughs> in that three weeks. It was very impressive. So the first interview, was that more of a conversational type? Why do you want to work here? That was when the recruiter reached out to me. Oh, okay, so yeah. I think like the following week, it was a, are you interested? These are the kind of roles that we have in London. This is what the the process looks like. Mm-hmm. That was that. And then three weeks later was the first 
just one data structure and algorithm coding test, which was 45 minutes with this one person. It didn't go the best at all, but enough to get me to the next stage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what was that next stage? So the next stage is the what would normally be the on-site day of interviews. So four of the same coding tests or three of the same different types of questions, but still data structure and algorithm. Uh, one Googliness interview where it's essentially, are you a respectful person to work with? How do you work on a day-to-day basis? And then they usually do like a systems design type interview. Wow, that's yeah. very comprehensive. Yeah, was this online? Yeah. yeah. This is virtual. Was this in 2021 or 2020? Yes, 20, what year are we in? 2020. 22. Yeah, so I guess 2020. Because my whole process, I think, lasted about five months. Wow. In total, yeah. That was a long time. Yeah. And at what stage did you get to decide what area of Google you wanted to work in? That's a good question. Yeah. So after that on-site day, when they were like, okay, well done. You <laughs> did good enough <laughs> to get to the next stage. <laughs> then they do the whole team matching situation where you talk to a bunch of teams that are hiring and they are talking to a bunch of potential candidates that uh, they could hire. And they do this like weird dating situation where if you both rate each other top, yeah, then you get um, you get to go with that team. So I think I spoke to a few different teams in Google, like ads and um, Google Play. I think they do a lot of Android, but because I hadn't done any uh, Java in a long time since uni, mm. it wasn't my top skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I spoke to the health team and I thought what they were doing is really cool. So I ended up in health. Amazing. And are you still coding in JavaScript now? No, no. Now I am writing Java every day. <laughs> <laughs> me and java it's not it's nothing it is personal um i don't me and java just don't get along so oh, you had to do a whole java boot camp didn't you it wasn't you cute it wasn't oh, cute no. don't take me back there <laughs> just, don't take me back there. you're not there anymore you're back in javascript <laughs> so what was that process like for you when you had your first day at google you were straight into java and you had to did you get any kind of transitionary courses and things yeah so I wasn't straight into Java fortunately (laughs) Um, (laughs) my team also works with TypeScript so it was that was the little transition (laughs) yeah um getting my head around TypeScript which I'd done a tiny bit amount previously but not too much but that was nice um because they knew I had a background in front end they gave me like front end tasks to do to start me off and then they hit me with the back end (laughs) they warmed you up (laughs) and then they were just like okay Build Java API. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there are so, so many resources available. That was one of the things I struggled with when I started. Everyone's just throwing like resources in your face, saying you can do this and this and this. You can learn this course and this course. If you want to expense a course, you can do that too. Um, so I took some internal, like virtual courses mm-hmm. for Java, which helped to refresh my memory a bit. Yeah. Um, but most of the learning is just by attempting to build stuff, failing, build, fail, 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 fail. Oh, actually, it finally works. And then <laughs> that's like my working process right now. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of the engineering process in general, yeah, at least for me. So <laughs> it's nice to hear someone else say that too. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> 
And that's the end of part one of the Glowing in Tech podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We're so excited for you to join us next week where you can hear about our guests' tech topic in 10 and also their controversial take of the tech industry. What's the tech tea? See you next week and be sure to follow us on socials at Glowing in Tech on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. And also, if you're listening on YouTube, be sure to like, comment and subscribe. If you're on Spotify, click on the bell so you can be notified every time we release a new episode. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. And yeah, see you next week. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply